listening to the Punisher Waterfowls, the Union 0430 podcast. Brought to you by Real Geese Decoys, the most technological advanced silhouette decoys on the market. And Vortex Canada, the force of optics. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Union 0430's episode 67. Your eyes are not deceiving you. It is only us two honking beautiful men on here tonight. Dave is on the road traveling. Philly is at work. Mark has no power and therefore out at a restaurant for dinner with his wife. And uh, he won't, he may, Mark actually may join us uh, if his power comes back on while we're still uh, recording. So um, it's just me in Odessa, Ontario. Ryan down in Nova Scotia. And uh, so you get us two buttes tonight. Um, so Ryan, thanks for coming. I <laughs> thanks for doing it because I know it's only you and I. And I when I asked Ryan, I said, uh, hey, do you still want to do the show tonight? And he was like, Yeah, of course. I can talk for hours. So so it's good. You'll get to hear us ramble on for a little bit. Um, before we get going, I just wanted to to, to start off the show and and just to say uh, how much we're thinking of our good friend, Jason Sear, um, uh, just lost his mom on, on Monday. Um, and, you know, so, and Ryan, I know you know exactly what he's going through. So, um, you know, Jason, I know you listen. Um, so, buddy, we're thinking of you. We love you. And uh, we will see you out in the blind and uh, we'll have a beer and, uh, and a big old hug when we see one another. So anybody that's listening, um, have Jason in your thoughts and prayers as you're listening and uh, let's get on with it, Ryan. So My tea we, has what's that? He has arrived. So hello. Hello. Drugs. Drugs. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. That's and, and that's what you get when you don't edit. That's right. Michelle Michelle's Michelle's gonna be on, on the show now. Um so I don't know if it, if anybody knows Ryan. I'm I'm sure there's some people that know, but um there's a lot of people that probably don't know that over the last two Mondays, um we were extremely, extremely lucky to be asked by Ducks Unlimited Canada to sort of kind of come on and do a help them do an, an outdoor series with waterfowl 101 and and like the first week we seen uh, our good friend jordan stone from sheetwater kennels he came on talked a little bit about dog training we didn't really have a whole lot of time we had 20 minutes each to do our to do our topics and and jordan came on and, and really uh broad strokes um talked about hunting dogs meat dogs gun dogs that sort of thing and then uh, we got into, excuse me, what what we always talk about as being one of the most important things, and that's scouting. So great episodes, um, lots of great questions from the people that that were there that uh, signed up for the outdoor series with Ducks Unlimited. Um, and then this week, um, you and Dave did a little bit of calling. I just talked a little bit about the ins and outs and calling nothing too, too technical um, just to get people started um, to make sounds. Right. And, and that's the, 
you know, you had, you had touched on it and, and I want you to, to explain it to, to everybody here too, but, um, and I'm the prime example because I'm not a great caller, but I like to be able to participate. Um, so those moans with the goose call, and then I use that Drake whistle um, just to add some, some, something else to the calling of say, like when a guy like you or Dave or Colin, right? So can you like expand upon your thoughts when it comes to, um, you know, you've got a guy that's really, really good at calling. So like yourself, like Dave, and then um, a lot of fellas just put their calls away and they're just like, well, Ryan and Dave's got the call and I don't need to do nothing, but I want to do something. So I don't know what to do. Um, can you talk a little bit about as really drawn out question, but could you talk about how people can add some structure to when you're calling? Yeah. Like I think calling is probably the most, at, this is sound like a kind of contradictive, but it's the most useful but overrated aspect of waterfowling. That makes really, sense. Yeah, like everybody wants to do it. Everybody wants, generally wants to be, you know, the best at it. Everybody wants to sound good. You just like, you can't be a good, you know, waterfowl hunter if you can't run a call, which is mm. ridiculous. Like, yeah, know, I've, I've, I know some guides who are not really very good callers, but they're killers. They can, yeah, Johnny X, no problem. So, but, uh, yeah, like, you know, I, I think, and I think there's, there's times when you need to be hard on a call and you, you need, if you have five guys there, you need all five contributing to that. And, mm -hmm. and there's, there's ways about it. And there's times where maybe you don't want to be aggressive on a call and you maybe only have that designated caller kind of set yeah. the cadence or the pace for the hunt. Um, yeah. But yeah, like going back to what we talked about on the uh, Ducks Limited uh, uh, episode, like, um, you know, there's, there's lots of ways to contribute there. There's, you don't have to be a great caller, like Drake whistles. I can give a Drake whistle to my five-year-old son and he can probably figure it out with a, yeah. like a tiny little bit of instruction and a little bit of attention, hopefully on his part, he can probably yeah. run it. Um, mm -hmm. I talked about guys using dog whistles for uh, a pintail or a widgeon whistle, like stuff like that. So, I mean, there's lots of ways to contribute and, uh, you know, if, if you do, you know, if you are in the blind, if you're a novice caller. And you're out there with somebody more more experienced um try to pay attention pay attention to the notes they use when they use the notes uh what cadence you know the situation don't be afraid to ask people questions like um most people are receptive and yeah. uh i mean it's it's an addictive it's an addictive aspect of, of the sport in my opinion so yeah but, uh, yeah there's there's i mean just have fun with it enjoy it and just soak it all in as much as possible yeah, absolutely. And, and I guess a good thing that you that you sort of kind of alluded to there is that, listen, like if you if you are a novice, like don't don't be afraid to ask questions. And and if you're not a great caller, do not please do not let that be the reason why you don't go out to hunt, because you don't need to be a great caller to hunt. If, if you know where the birds are, and you, you set up properly, you hide, um, you'll kill birds. I get it. And, and I agree that that Colin helps, but it isn't, uh, we've had Rossi on the show, Ryan, you've said it a million times. Um, you know, sometimes the birds don't even want to hear any Colin that, and, and we've hunted together and been laying in the, in the blind and, and a flock of geese have come in without even making a sound and have come in and, and just, you know, you didn't even know they were anywhere around you and they just 
come in behind and, and, and landed within the decoys, right? So don't let the fact that you're not a great caller stop you from, from hunting because I know a ton of fellas as well, me included, that aren't great callers um, and still get out and, and still hunt and still do our thing. So, so that, that's one good thing that you could take away from that. The other and thing, oh, sorry. Go. That's fine, quickly. And nobody's a great caller when they first pick up a call. No. Right? It's like anything, if, you know, it's like you put on a pair of ice skates for the first time in your life, yep. something as unorthodox as that, or you pick up a guitar for the first time, and yep. you don't know what you're doing, you've had no instruction, you're probably not going to be good at it. Yeah. You might get a little lucky, but you're not going to be good at it. So don't take it to heart. Just just learn, have fun with it. Make, yeah. you know, make it an enjoyable experience for yourself and so you want to go back and improve on it. Absolutely. I wanted to touch on a couple more things from that from that DU series that we've done. And it's only been um, two episodes and, and Ducks Unlimited Canada is going to keep rolling with this and there's going to be more stuff added and some really cool stuff um, from talking to our friend uh, Marco Cunha. So there's anybody that's listening, uh, please check it out because th there may be some stuff that that you might be able to learn, right? And and we had some we had some pretty seasoned hunters on that that was watching us and and you know it was somewhat a little bit intimidating because we knew who they were um and and we're the ones that's on our given lessons and and i know we talked about one guy there and i was like he's forgotten more than than we'll ever know but yet he he turned around and said to us he was like i've learned some stuff from you guys yeah, I was happy Billy Duggan wasn't wasn't on live for the uh, calling portion. <laughs> yeah, see, that's what I mean. But like Billy Duggan told me, he was like, "Guys, he said I learned some stuff from you tonight." And and here's a guy that, um, like I said, <laughs> for, for, forgot more than than I'll ever know. Um, but uh, you know, we had talked about decoy placement, and it was something you know that. All of us as, as the crew here, we bounced around this idea of talking like, how are we going to talk about decoy placement and, and without going down a rabbit hole? And, and it came to me that how many times have you went out with a person and, um, and you've said, okay, so how, how are we going to set up? Like the birds are coming this way. We'll set the, we're going to put our layout blinds here or our boat or our blind, whatever. This is where we're going to hide. This is going to be our shooting line. And then someone go, okay, so how are we doing this? We're going to do a J, we're doing a C, we're doing a Y, like what, what, what's going on? And it seems like there's always, there's always somebody that's, that's uh, set on this letter that they've got to get their decoys set in this particular pattern. And, and we talked about it and we didn't want to go down this rabbit hole because um, between the five of us, we don't have a letter that we stick to. We, we make a, a kill zone and we, you know, uh, again, it just seems like some fellas are uh, making it a little bit more complicated than, than what it really is. And you've heard, you heard Sean Stahl talk about it on this show here. He was like, I think we give the birds a little bit too much credit sometimes too, right? Simple stupid is what he said. Even <laughs> yeah, the, the kiss uh, rule. It's funny, like I'm just getting over a cold. I, I 
<clears throat> couldn't sleep last night. So like 1.30 in the morning, I go downstairs and turn on YouTube. I started watching this, this hunting video. I can't remember who it was. And uh, anyways, so they're, they're growing in this marsh and they're set up for early teal season and they're setting up the blind and there's two guys and they're both kind of like, they're, they start discussing how they want to set up the decoy spread. Yeah. And well, I want to put the luckies there and I want to put, you know, the teal, the, you know, the blue wing teal here. The yeah. other guy doesn't want that. So now the discussion is kind of heated. And right. you keep going, you're going and going. Eventually, somebody kind of like another guy at the hunting party has to step in and be like, hey, like, why Why don't we just try his way? And then if it doesn't work, <laughs> try your way. So that, and that happens. It happens. Yeah. Like a couple alpha dogs and we think yeah. you know, their ways, to, you know, proven and tested. And I don't know. But like Sean said, like, it's we, we give these birds too much credit. I'm not saying they're, they're, they're not educated. They, they don't get educated because they do, but. At the end of the day, and you, you said it when we were doing the ducks and lemon things, you know, the yeah. brain is the size of a walnut at yeah. best. So. At best. That's right. Uh, yeah, it just, you know, uh, I think, you know, the, the information that's out there, like I, I remember when I first started learning um, about duck hunting and, and stuff like that, you know, I didn't have the, the YouTube or the videos, or I didn't even really have a mentor. It was all trial and error really on my part, a lot more error than anything. Um, but I, I feel now that there's just so much information out there and, and everybody, everybody tries to say, listen, um, my way is the best way. Um, and I kill a lot of birds and, and I get it. You, you do, you kill a lot of birds and but for fellas, I would hazard to say that for fellas that kill a ton of birds, I think I'd be fair to say that they do not stick to the same spread all the time. No, they don't. No. Uh, no. It's kind of funny. I remember growing up like, fuel hunting with my dad and my dad always had his little quirks about his decoy spread and certain things had to be in certain spots and mm -hmm. so I just went along with it and you know and then I get older and then I buy my own spread and you know I start hunting with him and I kind of have my own develop my own little quirks and we kind of like butted heads a little bit not much <laughs> a little bit no, you no, know but yeah young bull versus old bull yeah you know and eventually you know I eventually surpassed him because he doesn't hunt as much as he used to and now he just doesn't he doesn't bother with he just enjoys getting out so and he enjoys not having to put a decoy in the ground so yeah so that's his model now so it's kind of but, but yeah it's just it's just it's kind of like unwritten untalked about i don't think we've ever out of all the episodes and discussions we've had i don't think we've ever talked about it um but we've all everybody has encountered it like it's just it's just one of those things it's kind of it's kind of funny really you think about it yeah yeah and and it is right because some fellows have these 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 weird little things that well this got to be here and this got to be there like and that that's their thing right and they swear by it and uh you know uh i i know i know guys that don't even bring a call i i don't want to hear any calling because uh the, the bird the birds won't land for calls and i'm like well that that's a bit fucking weird but um you know so so everybody has these little these little quirks about them and you're and you're right um you know, I, I am typically, and, and I'm a duck hunter, not a goose hunter. Um, so, but I, I am typically that wind in my back as much as I can. 
um, and and then a kill zone right in front of me, and and the birds are just there's really just fucking decoys thrown out. As long as I got a pocket for them to land in, I really don't care. Um, and and I you know I I'm not the best <clears throat> hunter, but I, I do okay. So um, exactly. I mean, uh, I would say my biggest personal quirk, and I think a lot of guys have the same one. Um, maybe it's fifty fifty, but when I'm goose hunting and I have a lucky duck or lucky ducks on, I don't like, yeah. I don't like having them spin and guys will say, Oh, I've shot, you know, yeah. I've shot geese, uh, it with a lucky ducks on. I'm like, yeah, you sh- I'm sure you have like, yeah. and I've shot geese with a truck and trailer in the field too, but yeah. Yeah. So, so, but that being said, like I, I'm, I'm, I, I want to finish birds. I don't just want to yeah. shoot birds. I know yeah. I'm, at that point in my uh, hunting career, if you will, that I want birds feet down, 15 yards off the deck. Yeah. Um, I'm just picky like that. And that's just, yeah. that's just my standard. And it sometimes, I don't know, upsets guys. Um, when I guide, I'm definitely less picky. Yeah. Because <laughs> the, the clients want to shoot. But, um, you know, that's just my personal preference. That's what yeah. It is. But the, you, you bring up a, a good point. So, you know, uh, you're at the point now where you like to see you want to get the birds in and it's the same we've talked about this with turkey hunting right um but you want the birds to come into where you pick this is where i want the birds to land this is where i want to shoot them um and and now that's what you're trying to do because it tells you that a um my spread is right uh, I I've read the birds the proper way and, and it is, it makes you feel good because you're doing it. You're doing it the way that you plan and uh, you're guaranteeing that there isn't um, cripples and, and flyaways. And sometimes you just can't, uh, you know, eliminate that a hundred percent, but you try and do your best to, 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 you know, bring, bring those chances down. Right. Uh, but we see it. Um, and we've seen it, I don't know, last week, I think we see it, we've seen the same guy again, talking about making 80 yard shots um, with this, with this ammo. And, and I'm just, I, I'm, I'm scratching my head and I don't understand. I don't understand why, like, why are you taking, like, are you trying to prove that you're like this really, really good shot? Is, is that what? Is that what you're trying to prove when you say I shot a goose at 80 yards or, like, or yeah. So it's, it's like, unless your name's like Tom, Tom Knapp or the <laughs> Brothers, like, like, I don't want to, I don't want to see that man. Like, like you're not, that's not ethical. It's not smart. Like you might drop one, two, three birds in a hunt that way, but yep. you're crippling eight, nine, ten. So. And, 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 uh, and this is something I've always I've always taken this on board and, and you know what, some fellows say that it's bullshit and some fellows says that I'm right. Um, but I, somebody told me this a long time ago and, 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 you know, you get excited, especially goose hunting, right? You see those, those blocks of 40 and 50, a hundred birds coming in and, and fellows go, man, I, I just love seeing them come in in pairs. Just coming in and two and three and four birds. That's what I like to see. I don't like seeing these big flocks because you're not going to shoot every one of them and you're educating birds. And, and if you're not going to be able to put them down on the deck 
then don't shoot. And, and I've always taken that on board because again, I'm, I'm one of these guys that uh, totally acknowledges the fact that they've got a brain the size of a pea. Um, but yet I do believe that we educate birds by taking shots and not putting them down on the deck. So I don't know. Yeah, we, we definitely do. We definitely do. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, don't get me wrong, like, it doesn't happen all that often, depends where you live and what you do, but when you get, like, a big bunch of birds that finish, and you've got four or five shooters, and everybody shoots their lane, and everybody yeah. shoots two, you know, at least two birds, and it's just, it's raining, it's great to see, it is cool to see, yeah. but, you know, but I'm like you, I, I do enjoy, like, the gentleman-style hunt now, um, you know, I love if I could find like an afternoon, you know, duck hunt or like a loaf hunt, like a late morning loaf hunt where geese come in the water mm -hmm. and back from a feed. And it's just like, you're just taking turns and be like, Hey, yeah. turns. like that's, those are fun. Like they're yeah. so cool. They're fun. You're going to get, you're going to get your birds. You're going to put meat in the freezer. Like it's just, they're, Absolutely. they're, 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 they're both good. Right. They're both. Yeah. Good. And, 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 you know, like you get to the point, I, I know Merck, Merck and I last year, uh, on opener it, it was what we were trying to go um and maybe you know what maybe this isn't a big deal for some fellows maybe some fellows can can do this all day long but we were trying our best to do 100 percent on our on our shots right so one shot one kill one shot one kill and just trying to you know and i think i think by the time we finished with our limit i think we were at like 95 percent i think I missed one. So it was good, but, and that's how that was. It was, okay, your turn on your, oh, son's coming in your turn. And because we weren't in a rush, we, we just, we were just enjoying the moment, right? Okay, Mark's your turn. Yeah. And then Mark would drop two birds. Okay, Damien, your turn. I dropped two birds. You know, it was just, it was just fun that way. And excuse me. So um, one thing that I, uh, that I wanted to talk about though is, is, one of the people that had uh, watched the, the, the episode on decoy spreads, he had messaged me and, and said that he, that he enjoyed it and stuff. And he said, he, you know, he liked to see some more, um, some more tactics talked about some, some more, I guess, harder or intermediate or advanced tactics and stuff like that. So, um, so we'll work on that and try and come up with what he's asking. But he had said something to me that uh, I guess I, I just took for granted. But what he had said was that he hunts with a, a lot of people and there's still a lot of people that don't think about having the wind in their back. He was like, this is this is foreign to him that that this is a golden rule. And I know we talked about it that, you know, sometimes it's not possible to have the wind in your back so you got to shift your decoys and maybe it's a side shooter or whatever like that. Sometimes that's just the way the cookie crumbles. But at the end of the day, um, the wind in your face is not a good idea. Not <laughs> that's the last place. It, it's, it's not so much the wind at your back. It's just, you, well, I think we were, we were kind of, well, it's two different things. Like we were preaching, yeah. like just know your wind direction at least. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Would you rather, you know, shoot something going left to right, right to left, or would you look rather something coming straight at you, gradually getting bigger, right? So yeah. ideally, you know, if the situation's right and the elements are right and the birds are dumb, yeah, like put the wind in your back. Go ahead, yeah. do it. Nothing yeah. wrong with side shooting either. Like, you know, no, no, not at all. 
sunny days where the sun's like, you know, it's, you know, it's bright, you might get a shine, you, you want to, or you, you want the blind out of it, wind of the spread, so we catch them on their approach, and mm-hmm. we do that studying the west a lot, we'll, we'll put the, the shooters kind of like upwind a bit, so the birds kind of focused on the e-collars and stuff, and they, they just kind of swing on by, and then we let them yeah. have it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not the end-all, be-all, but uh, you got to pay attention to which way you know, yeah. that's, that's what we call the script. That's, that's, that will never fail. Like birds are not going to, they do not land with the wind at their back. Like yeah. they're going to turn into the wind. They will always turn in the wind. And that's, that's just, the, that's the way nature made them. So yeah. Uh, pay, pay yeah. It, it's, uh, you know, it, it is one of those things. And, and I guess sometimes we, we take it for granted now that and not that I'm not that I'm saying we're we're experts or or uh, we're really um, really really experienced. It's just you know sometimes you take things for granted, right? Because you've been doing it for so long, um, and you've been doing it a, a certain way that that sometimes you you just forget to explain it to to people why you're doing something, right? So yeah. so that was that was really the thing that he wanted. He said like it would be good if you talk about that more. He said, because there's a lot of people that don't think about it. And like you said, it's not the, the be all end all that it has to be in your back. It's just, it, it's the most comfortable, I would say, but a side shoot, a side shoot can be friggin' fun too. Um, don't get me wrong, especially when you got teal buzzing you. Um, it, it can be, and, and they'll, and they'll humble you. I, I can guarantee you that. We've done a lot of standing, when I was in Ontario, we did a lot of standing corn hunts. Yeah. And, you know, if the side shoot was, was fun. So I used to, we used to set up for that. We'd do like a gauntlet style where they basically, you have like a big, you have a big mass closer to the corn and then probably yeah. at 40 yards, you have a thinner mass and yeah. you hope, you know, generally the birds would light in between in the middle of those masses. So you're shooting max 40, you know, yeah. close to 25. And we used to, you know, when they finished like that, we're like, okay, they're going to have to run the gauntlet. They get inside of that. And it was, it's awesome. Like, you know, just, oh, yeah. And they're all, you know, they're coming in in a line, you know, when a, when geese come in and head on, they're all spread out like this. Yeah. But when it's a side shoot, they're all, they're, you know, yeah. they're like, there's, there's just a bar coming across. So it's, uh, oh, yeah. it's fun. It's fun stuff. It is fun. It is fun. Um, you know, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit. Um, I don't think we really got into this subject ever on the show and I, I could be wrong, but I wanted to talk about it because the opener for, for us here in, in Eastern Ontario is coming up on Saturday and starting to see it a lot on my, on my Facebook feed. Um, and that's a lot of people talking about decoys and, and, and what it is that you like about decoys. And, and obviously anybody that's listened to the show knows that we're big fans of, of real geese silhouette decoys. But when it comes to full body decoys and floaters and uh, for geese and ducks, um, you know, I don't think we, we ever really d- dived into it. Um, and, and there's, you know, there's a lot of people out there and, and I think we have talked about the only thing we have talked about on the subject is that there's nothing more that we can do to the decoy to revolutionize it. Right. Like we've already, I think we've, we've, we've reached its limit, you know, the flocked heads, the realistic painting, the, the carvers now that, that make the molds and and all that stuff. Um, So 
you know, like buy what you can afford is, is what I would say. You know, if you can afford, if, and again, it goes down to that. If you do your scouting, you could put tires out there with, with and, and the birds that come in and land and do them, right? So yeah. I like avian X duck. I've got some avian X duck decoys. And, and I tell you what, I am impressed with them. I love them. I think they're, they're durable. I am not easy on my gear. All my stuff gets smashed around. Um, they're still holding up. They're two seasons in now. I love them. Um, I don't have goose floaters or anything like that, but those avian X decoys, man, I got them. And I, I absolutely love them. Yeah. Everything behind me is avian X. So Fred, oh, is that right? Yeah. So Fred, if you're listening to this, this, let me, <laughs> yeah, I'll help us out. Um, yeah. I like it too, man. For the same reason. I'm not hard on my decoys or I'm not easy on my decoys. Um, yeah. I run a small spread for geese. So I've got like, I've got four dozen and they're, they're bagged there and a little yeah. lessers and, I have, you know, four dozen uh, maybe next duck floaters and, you know, they're just Texas rigged. And if I walk yeah. in they're over my shoulder or they're in a uh, ice fishing sled or yeah, just throw them in the tailgate. Like I don't, I'm not, yeah. I don't baby them, so. I know, uh, I know Dave last year um, experimented with these lifetime decoys just because he's doing that, you know, where he's always in his kayak and, and yeah. stuff. And he like, he can't say enough good things about these, like how lightweight these lifetime decoys are and, and how he could take a pile of them and just hook them onto his kayak and go. So, yeah. you know, like, I guess for, for the new hunter, the new person that's getting into it, it seems like there's a lot of pressure that you need to go out and, and buy that $200 goose call and, you need to buy the the six hundred dollar goose decoys and stuff like that. And and listen, I I do think that they help, but I don't think you're not going to kill birds if you don't have it. Does that make sense? Yeah, like I, I always say to people, like just get what you need to get yeah. out. Yeah, and you'll figure it out pretty fast if this is going to be something you really want to do. I, yeah, I mean, if it's really something you like, you want to do, you'll know because it's it's a three hundred and sixty five day a year thing. Like, you're like, I went from yeah. like, I went from having eighteen duck floaters to a full goose spread, a full floater spread. You know, three types of different blinds. I've mm -hmm. got, I've got a self trained Labrador. I've <laughs> I got a blind yeah. for her, e collars, and all the training tools. And you're in the same boat, right? You've, yeah, you've got a you've got a beautiful XL boat, like we're invested anybody on this podcast that you listen to, yeah so we are fully invested into this lifestyle so um yeah but yeah just like just kind of start out and just see if it's for you and just to kind of go back like we're talking about like the innovation factor like yeah i think like with the robotics in decoys i'm at my max with it personally like yeah I think, <clears throat> like i just think it's getting starting to get a little ridiculous robo everything like you know i, I love like uh, a robo duck a mojo or yeah. lucky duck I think those are great but yeah. that's pretty much where my robotics stops yeah. um and maybe like e-collars for for uh and flappers for uh snow goose hunts those yeah. are great too maybe four four texas but yeah. other than that like that's pretty yeah, much yeah like the only thing i've i've got my lucky duck um i only got one of them uh that's all i like i i really don't see the need of more than one now 
I haven't got uh, anything that makes any motion on the water. And, and I've been meaning to every year pick something up just on those days when, when it's really calm, the water isn't moving, just to get some movement in the water. I haven't done it yet, so it's obviously not that big of a concern to me. Um, but I, but I've wanted to get it. So I'm with you. Uh, I think, you know, uh, the, the robotics, yeah, it's cool and, and stuff, but you know, it's still, you, you can put whatever you want out there. Uh, sometimes they're not going to work for you because again, they've got a brain the size of a pea and they're going to do what they want to do. And they're going to go where they want to go. And, and there's nothing you're going to put out there. That's going to draw them in. Um, especially, especially when you start seeing those migrators that are flying 10 miles up in the air and you see, you see somebody coming on to the call, trying to pull them down. Uh, yeah. Luck to yeah. You. yeah. Good, good luck to you is right. But I'm hoping we're going to start seeing some migrators this week. We've started to see some cooler weather coming in, in the night times now, um, really starting to get that fall rain starting to pour in we're calling for a ton of rain uh tomorrow here in, in kingston kingston area so um so you know duck season is is right around the corner goose season's right around the corner um i i would suspect that farmers will soon really soon be start taking their crop off um I, I know some is already doing it. I guess the, the wheat and, and stuff is already starting to come off. So um, the corn and everything that'll soon be coming off. And, you know, those, those big groups of migrators will soon be here. So, buddy, I can't, I cannot wait to get back out. But you were right when you said it is a 365 day a year passion, isn't it? Because Christmas time, you're getting gear for, for so here you are, you know, the end of December, you're all, you're get, starting to get gear for the next season already, and you're planning hunts, and you're, you know, oh, I got to save money now to buy a new gun, and I got because everything you're just constantly escalating, right? Like, okay, I've got, I started off with a single shot Kiwi, and then bumped up to a pump action, then pumped up to a semi, you know, and now I want now. Uh, I want to drop down and I want to do a semi 20 gauge. It, it, there's always, you're never going to be completely happy. I guess that's the point I'm trying. You're always going to be, Oh, I, I really should get that. Oh, look at that. That's, that's pretty cool. eh? I should, I should get that. Oh yeah. I should. And, and that's like what you're saying. You got your dog, you got your e-collars, you got your training bumpers, you got your blind, you got your dog whistle. Everything is, it's just, it's, it is 365 days a year of you saving money and spending money so that you can get, so either A, you can be more comfortable because clothing, I think that is probably the most revolutionized thing in the waterfowl market in the last 10 years is clothing, 100%. Like, and, and there's some, you know, uh, First Light, Sitka, um, I just came across a new waiter company yesterday called Shen, C H E N E. I've never heard of them, but I know after I started following them, I started seeing a bunch of my friends. Um, they've already followed them and they've already heard of them. And and I'm looking at their product and I'm like, holy smokes! Like this is this is ridiculous. And you know, the the innovation and and the research and money that is put into 
creating something now that's going to keep you warm and dry because that is the most important thing to a waterfowler, right? We're the only ones that are in the, sh we're looking for the shitty weather to get out, right? Um, you know, you look at, you look at Sitka. Sitka was, they revolutionized everything. I remember when I bought my first piece of Sitka kit and people were like, oh, no way. I can't, I can't justify way too expensive. I'm like, well, listen, I done by that time, I probably had 10 or 15 years in the army. And I said, listen, I've, I've done my time of being uncomfortable, wet and miserable. If, if it's going to cost me an extra couple hundred bucks and it's going to make me dry and happy, then, then I'm doing it. Right. And then, you know, our good, go buddy, Darryl, our good buddy, Daryl Gilbert, yeah. bought a set of panel bibs when they first came out. So 2013, 2014, I can't remember what year. Yeah. And he still, he guides, like he, that's all mm. he does. He guides at the fishing lodges in the summer yeah. and then he waterfowl guides and coyote hunts all fall, winter. Yeah. And he's wearing those every day. Yeah. Every day. And, you know, he's they're still in great shape. You know, I, I had mine. I went to the, I eventually switched to the Hudson's and I sold them to a buddy of mine. He's using for two seasons now and same thing. They're, they're holding yeah. up. Great. So, yeah, I mean, people are like, you know, why, why would you spend that much money in a piece of kit? Well, cause it, it lasts like that's, yeah. that's why. For, for yeah. Me yeah. And, and I agree. So today on, on our social media, I put a post out and, and really what, because of this company that I came across yesterday, uh, this waiter company, Shan. Uh, so I put the post out on, on, and I was like, listen, and I forgot to put the, the red, the banded red zones on there, but I put Drake, uh, lacrosse, Sitka, Shan, Cabela's, Old Faithful, right? And I put these four or five different types of waiters. And I said, listen, what's everybody using? And there is no clear... Yeah, maybe late season the Cabela's the Cabela's uh, super mags are, are consensus for the late season. But other than that, like there is so many people that are talking about this is what I'm wearing and and this is the reason why I'm wearing it. And then we had one guy come on and, and said he's wearing Sims. And I thought to myself, I was like, Sims, that's what I used to wear when I was salmon fishing. Yeah. And I'm I'm like, man, that's really people are wearing sims hunting and 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 his point was he was like i wear my sims uh, you know and then i i got my boots that i i you know i put my my you know the wading boots and not yeah. the boots that are attached to the waders he was like if you're still wearing boots attached to the waders you're, you're missing out and and i got to thinking i'm like yeah like man that would be so much more comfortable but it it, it is it's just it's it's amazing when when you ask people, listen, what are you wearing or what are you using and why are you using it? And they hear their reasoning behind it because nine times out of 10, it's stuff that you haven't even thought of. Now, when it comes to, you know, uh, Sitka, First Light, um, <clears throat> Cryptic, all these guys, um, you know, they've got their own camo pattern. So that's really just a uh, you know, what is it you like the most uh, when it comes to the camo, camo pattern, right? Which camo pattern do you like the most? But, but when it comes to the material, the material is all the same. It's, it's, it's like, how many times do you hear people talk about maneuverability now and, and being able to shoulder your gun and, and being able to swing and your jacket not impeding you? And like the amount of research and, and development that goes into these products now is, 
is just ridiculous. When I started hunting as a kid, I had uh, rubber roots with holes in them. So I Acid had bags. Yeah, grocery bags, plastic <laughs> grocery bags if, if, for the, to counter the slow leak and like double wool socks, mm-hmm. which lasted for about 30 minutes and then eventually they seeped through too. Yeah. And uh, my dad went to like an army surplus store and got us like old olive drab military coats. So, you know, like the old Donald yep. cartoons where he goes sledding and the, the, yep. the jacket looks like it's like nine sizes too big. That's yep. what I was. There's no way I'm shouldering a gun. Like, yeah. No way. I probably didn't shoot my first duck till I was like 18 years old. <laughs> so it's just, you know, and now yeah. waiters are, waiters are like specifically waiters. They're becoming so more advanced. Eventually we're going to look like a bunch of sea, Navy SEALs coming up on a, a beach assault in the middle of yeah. the night. Like they're going to have flippers and masks well, that's, and everything. Like this, that's right? a good point. So you look at, you look at, um, go look at gator waiters and, and look at their neoprene waiters and you tell me what they they look like something that that that's high end military would wear like it's it's wild because that is, it's it's just it's wild man and and I can't believe it's taken us this long to really talk about the clothing and the waders because uh, it really has been like breathable waders now like I've got I've got breathables I wear them all year long and they're insulated. Um, so they're not so bad, but I used to have neoprene and, and I know fellas struggles when it comes to neoprene in, in the beginning of the year, especially here in Ontario. Cause like you could have 25 degrees, uh, opening day here in Ontario and that's not unheard of. Uh, so I know your pain when it comes to wearing, uh, neoprene, uh, but I'm going to tell you, they suck in the beginning of the season, but man, are they ever nice at the end of the season? Yeah, I've, I've got a set of five mil Cabela's and they're great. And I bought them in Ontario and yeah, man, like love them in yeah. like November, December, like good yeah. to go. But like late September, like <laughs> duck opener, like going through like, you know, some of the spots that we've hunted, like yeah, going through like chest high and what we call loon shit, like that duckweed yeah. nurses and you're just literally, I got like high socks on like yeah. athletic like soccer socks on underneath yeah. just my underwear and that's yeah. it and i'm just yeah. sweating bullets and yeah. it's like five in the morning and you're just treasure butt and you're coated in in deet for the mosquitoes and oh i know it's just yeah i remember that that hunt me me you and uh drew galloway done that time oh like that was that was sick like it was yeah, we were in a boat like we didn't have yeah. to do any work like yeah yeah, yeah, that was that was gross, um, but yeah. I remember we had waiters, but we didn't wear it. We just kind of like kept them yeah. there with us in case something happened or we needed to jump out. But man, yeah, it was I did. Fun. I did most of my hunts last year wearing just um, my uh, just wearing my lower boots with a pair of my uh, with my first light pants. That's like I was in the boat, so. And I've got the dog now, so it's not like I got to go trampsing around in the water, right? So um, I didn't wear my waders a, a whole ton last year, uh, but, you know, they were never too, too far away. Um, we sort of kind of touched on it. You know what? I'm not going to go. I was going to talk about robo ducks, but I think we already touched on it. We've touched on robo ducks before on the show and, and 
I think that the waiters and, and the clothing is, is probably, it, it is what's, what's, and, and it's the most expensive now. Yeah, Whereas, is. you know, your gun and your decoys and all that stuff used to be like ridiculous amounts of money and you would go buy, you know, I'm not, I'm not putting down any, any manufacturer, but you would go buy whatever you wanted, just as long as it kept you warm. If you look like the state pup marshmallow man, you didn't care as long as you were warm and dry. And, and now, you know, layering and you're hearing about Murano wool and, and, Gore-Tex and and all of this stuff, it is a game changer. Like, what 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 is it? Uh, these companies that you know go further, stay longer, and and all of this stuff, right? Like, it gets you out, and and so that you're not worrying about the weather. The weather should be the last of your concern, or I shouldn't say the weather. Being cold and wet should be the last of your concerns. Yeah, like. Uh, um waterfowling can be super labor intensive as like we were just kind of alluding to yep. and when you yep. get in the labor season like that's that can be dangerous so like i mean we're mm-hmm. we're, we're military and you know common theme in the army is cotton kills especially yep. in the cold right because yep. it sweats and then it retains that moisture and then yep. you could you know in extreme situations you can go hypothermic so you gotta be you know you don't have to you don't have to buy you know, just buy like a dry under armor dry fit that's right yeah yep. cold. that's you know good base layer that's gonna wick and yeah and breathe and like a lot of stuff now it's hard not to find a good quality if you spend a good money and find a good quality hunting jacket i'm willing to bet it's gore-tex and oh yeah yeah and I'm, that's kind of a prerequisite i would tell anybody who's gonna buy a good uh late season mm-hmm. jacket at least at least make sure it's gore-tex and it's breathable yeah and it's still gonna be repellable water and insulate heat simultaneously too yeah i think most fellas most i keep saying fellas uh, and ladies if I know you're out there and you're listening too, but, um, but you hear most people now layer like my, like my jacket that I wear is a shell. Yeah. And I just layer underneath it. Like I don't have a, I don't have that big, heavy, puffy jacket anymore. It's just, it's a shell. And in the early season, that's all I use. And as it gets colder, I just keep adding layers. And, and that's the important thing, like what you're saying about being hypothermic and, and being able, you know, like in the military, everything, you know, you, you don't sweat, save that piece of kit until you need it. Uh, you know, if, if you can, if you're comfortable and you're a little bit chilly, uh, then, then that's great because if, if you, if you really need that warm piece of what we used to call snivel kit, um, you know, that it makes a huge difference. So, you know, that layering and, and all of that stuff is such a huge, a huge thing now. And what these clothing manufacturers, this is how it's being designed. Now you look, you go to the Sitka. Um, I don't know if first light has it, but I know Sitka does like they have a package like from, from socks to underwear to your base layer to your intermediate to your cold like it's all right there like you don't even need to think you just go in and say i want this package and all you got to do is pick your sizes and it will set you up for the entire season yep just add and remove as you need yeah i mean like body mapping now like you know they map out what parts of your body is 
most susceptible to bleed heat and where you don't want to lose heat and stuff like this. Like, you know, yeah. first light and sicker are probably in my books, the, the two leading manufacturers yeah. in that, that kind of technology and that kind of uh, thought. So yeah. it's, it's really good to see because hunting is definitely, it's, it's guys are making, it's probably a is becoming more challenging and B guys are making it more challenging. You know, you watch like, you watch like meat eater and like, they just go for like, they just beast themselves in the mountains for a week, living off yeah. the land and like drive through like, you know, it's just, it's just like, it's harder than any military exercise we've probably done. Like, yeah. You know? Look at guys like Remy Warren, like yeah. those guys that lead. And then uh, we had, uh, we had them on the show here where, you know, these guys are just, they leave for two weeks. What they've got on their back is is all they've got and they leave for two weeks and and it's it's strategic they they plan this is what i'm going to wear if it's like this this is what i'm going to wear if it's like that and it's strategic and they've got it all planned out it's in their pack and and from my days of being light um in the military you know every ounce was accounted for and, and that's how these hunters are now every ounce has to be accounted for because they've got to carry it in. They've got to carry it Well, on the way out. They've got to carry their, their kill back out with them, right? So it's crazy. It's crazy, buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely not the same when we first started out, that's for sure. Yeah, no, no doubt. Ladies and gentlemen, we're at that, at that magic minute there now. So roughly around that hour. Uh, actually, I'm pretty surprised that me and Ryan were able to pull this off tonight without the, the other yahoos chiming in and 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 keeping us going uh so it was much easier to be honest with <laughs> yeah true i guess just the two of us just going back and forth uh yeah yeah, yeah i could buy that um ladies and gentlemen thanks so much for listening to us two knuckleheads go on about whatever it was we were going on about um if you haven't figured it out how passionate we are about duck hunting yet uh, I don't know what to tell you because uh, this is this is who we are um, and we love it. And as of Saturday, it, the game starts. When when season opening for you? Uh, ours opens in Nova Scotia. It opens October first, Friday, October first. So there you go. I know this episode is going to drop uh, after everybody's okay. had their opener in Ontario. So yeah. I hope everybody had a good opener and it was safe and fun. And you put some meat in the freezer. So good luck to everybody. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, man. Okay, everybody. Thanks so much. Like I said, we always say we're not, we're not professionals. We're not experts. We're a bunch of, bunch of buddies that just love talking, hunting, love waterfowl hunting. Um, and that's all we are. Um, and we use this platform in order to, to be able to get our word out. And, and we can't thank you enough for listening and messaging us and giving us ideas on what to talk about. Big love. See us all next week to everybody in Ontario, just as Ryan said, um, be safe. Um, I'm hoping to hear a ton of uh, great stories next week and uh, we'll have lots to talk about. Big love, everybody.